Before we start, we want to preface that this episode touches on some difficult topics such as the loss of a loved one and abusive discriminatory teachers. We're very grateful that Derek felt comfortable enough with us to talk about these difficult situations that he has faced. With that said, we hope you enjoy this week's episode. If I'm truly to move forward in this career, but also be the person that I want to be, one of the biggest things that motivates me now is you never know who will become a memory tomorrow. From this year and even past years, I have lost a lot of family members and like a lot of good friends. Like they never got to see me where I wanted to be. I wanted to be the me to what they can see before their time comes. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Dozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Derek Malik Johnson. He is an African-American artist working as a storyboard revisionist. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Yes. So hello, everybody. My name is Derek Malik Johnson. I am currently a storyboard revisionist over at Disney TVA. I have recently just started in the industry, currently my second year in, and quite enjoyed my time here. Well, the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and then you have to choose in between the two of them, and then let us know why. All right, let's go. All right. Cool, cool. I'll start us off with the first question. Which titular alien failure would you rather be invaded by? Sergeant Frog or Invader Zim? Oh, God. Sergeant Frog all the way. (laughs) Oh, that was fast. Sergeant Carrero for the win on this one. <laughs> as much as people love Zim, and I, I, I swear to God, anybody ever hits me on the podcast and be like, I didn't like Zim, you're lying to me because I found your DeviantArt account. You lied. <laughs> everybody loved Invader Zim. But Sergeant Carrero, it's known, but it's not well known. And mm-hmm. I love Sergeant Frog. That was like one of my first mangas I remember getting on my own. Same. From Tokyo oh, wow. Pop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I got mine from Sun, Sun Coast or something. Yes. Yes. Not a lot of people remember Sun Coast. <laughs> so. it, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Sorry, children of the world. No, no, no. So that does not exist anymore. And when I bring that up to people, I was like, bro, you ain't never had a Sun Coast or like, like what? You, you, you never had it? They're like, what the hell is a Sun Coast? Sounds like a, sounds like a drink. You don't know what a Sun Coast is, Ray? No, it sounds like an off-brand Sunkiss. You're a baby. <laughs> no, so it, it's almost like how Fi is as a store, like FYI, whatever it is. Suncoast is basically like that, but they actually used to have like a huge section of manga and anime that they used to import a lot. I used to always go there and pick up like my manga and whatnot if it wasn't Shueisha. Mm. Because I used to, like, I've been reading One Piece since I was eight because of that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with Sergeant Carroll, I was like, yo, what's this? Like space invading frogs. This sounds awesome. Yeah. Started reading it. I'm like, I love these characters. Still to my favorite characters to this day. It's so <laughs> funny. It's just like, if you don't know what it is, it's uh, these little little frog people that come and invade Earth, but they're terrible at their job. And also it's mostly just like a slice of life comedy, but also there's aliens there. It's it's really cute. Ah, oh, reminds me of but Ugly Martians. Oh, God, that's another show I haven't heard in so long. <laughs> like, I always thought that show was like a fever dream, like with Reboot. Because when I used to bring these shows up, I was like, like, you ever watch like Reboot, But Ugly Martian, Sagwa and all that? People were like, what are these shows that you speak of? 
Dude, I think I had but ugly Martians on a VHS tape. Oh god, um, that was that was wild. <laughs> oh god, man, that's carbon dating ourselves. <laughs> but going back to Sunco, I feel like if that store was still around, it'd be thriving right now. Oh, most definitely. It was too ahead of its time. Well, it it would and wouldn't because it was basically like they sold a lot of like DVDs and movies, and they also had a very small like manga section because there was also like anime that they could import. But I think most of their stuff came from like DVD and physical like movie sales. So like when that industry, like when the streaming industry kind of took oh, off, is fair. when like that whole company sort of started. Well, to tank. well, maybe they could have converted into a manga cafe. They should have. They should have evolved with the times. Would you rather build your own spacecraft out of gummy blocks from Kingdom Hearts or two by four technology from Codename Kids Next Door? You know what? God, this is going to be a hard one because you know what? They're yep. both interesting, yeah. but I have to give it to the kids next door because it's like, yeah. mother, like oh, nice. you took a fire hydrant and you make something out of it. Like yes. as a kid, I always thought that was badass because they like, it's like some of their inventions, like you just take a shopping cart, put like a little car engine in it, mm-hmm. like a go-kart, like propellers and stuff. It's like, oh, now we got like our own like little go-kart to fight the villains. Or we can make like our own spacecraft, go in space, knowing damn well it's impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just define, be like, oh, it's the writer, like writer of the pen type stuff. I hold this pen and I can make anything possible. I have to say thank you to Matt Warbottom because as a child, he did expand my creativity on that one. And Kids Next Door just had, like, a more interesting development, like, being out in space. It's like, yeah, that's cool. I can visit Disney World and stuff like that. But it's like, have you visited the moon? <laughs> <laughs> like, just the moon encoding Kids Next Door, but also expanding, like, in the universe with their technology? That is a prayer on a dime technology I would like to invest in. <laughs> Absolutely loved the creativity, yeah, of, like, mm-hmm. them kind of taking that idea of, like, childhood, you know, oh, we'll pretend like this is a spaceship. You get in this shopping cart, I'll push you down a hill. But like they take that and the idea and like really expand it upon it. It's like, okay, but like what if you really could like make this fly? Like what if you could rebuild this? And uh, love Kids Next Door. The designs for everything in the show were so great. Like so much creativity with that show. Ah, I'd want to see that again. I'm an advocate for this one. And I hope somebody like hears this podcast and they deliver this to somebody over at Cartoon Network or HBO Max. But it's like, <laughs> bro, please, for the love of God, put Kids Next Door on your platform and pick up the Galactic Kids Next Door. I would love to work on that show. Dude. Just saying. I would love to work on that show. Well, there was like a website like you could go on for yeah. a while, right? To watch, yeah. like, watch it was like a was whole like, thing. Yeah, you can watch like a little animatic that he did with the voice cast. And it's just like, there's so much love there. Like, let them work on this project because a lot of us from the 90s, yes, Kids Next Door in, did end abruptly, but they ended like on such a good cliffhanger mm-hmm. that there was more to the horizon. It's just like, yo, let us have this. Yeah, like, no, give me more. Yeah, give me Inject more it in my veins. I do kind of love shows that like when they have to end, they're like, well, the story's going to continue, so we're just going to let it be that way. Sorry we couldn't make any more seasons, but it's better than a rushed ending, in my opinion. Oh, extremely. Well, Derek, that was in between. Thanks so much for playing. I loved your enthusiasm for all of, all of the questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you enjoyed today's in-between questions, let us know your responses, or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, contact us on social media.
let's start off by talking. What have you enjoyed most working as a storyboard revisionist on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? Oh God, man, I'm a oh. Ooh, this this show this show I'm gonna have PTSD with. Oh, oh no! <laughs> so I love Moon Girl. So this is the thing about Moon Girl. Moon Girl is something unique and new that I don't think not a lot of people would like. Not a lot of people know yet until they see this show. And like when the show comes out, you're just gonna be like, "Yo, anytime that they make a show like this, I have to work on that project." Or you're gonna be like, "The creator of Moon Girl making like another show or something." I need to work on that project because that's how unique moon girl is in a way so Mm -hmm. what i love about moon girl compared to now so this is like my second year in the industry so i went from like a slice of life kid like coming of age story with harriet Mm -hmm. and basically you like you have like your limited shots but you also have like your very like unique cameras like your scenes and whatnot because you're trying to like build up the character interactions but also like the the emotions and the emitting of that but moon girl is so unique because it's like a comedy action show and it's such high pace almost like anime and it's like i never done anything like this before so it's like a whole new challenge for me and it's just like wow okay so you got to beef up like your character acting you got to make them like more spontaneous like how they would in the anime like ooh, kawaii and all that stuff but it's like <laughs> yo in a minute I'm going to fight you in the sense of like Luffy with his like going gumu gumu no mm-hmm. technique with everything around. It's like, yo, this show is very energetic, very fast. And I never done anything like that. So it's like, I can appreciate for the uniqueness of this show, of its caliber. And it's just, I feel that I'm going to learn a lot from this show, even though I'm like pretty down on myself right now. It's like, I'm here and I'm learning so much mm. that I just appreciate the hell out of it. Because I haven't seen much, only like from like the teaser image or like the image of like the Moon Girl brushing the dinosaur's teeth. Mm-hmm. From the just from like just context alone, it looks like it's gonna be a very like you know like comedic, but also very actiony kind of show. And just action in itself is always kind of difficult. And like it being Marvel as well, I can see I can see just being a lot of challenges trying to do a lot of the acting and the action and the movement. But like again, it's still like also in the same vein, it's going to, it's amazing, like learning opportunity. And it's also like so much mileage and experience can just stem off just working on a, on a, on a show like that. Oh, agree. Like it's, it's, it's like something I've never seen or experienced before. And it's just, I'm, I'm always like attacking myself so much because it's just like, like, God, I need to be like more on ball, more on ball, more on ball. But at the same time, it's like, again this is like your second year in and like mm-hmm. you just started working here back in june it's like dude mm-hmm. you're not going to and this goes out to anybody out there and i know this is pretty early on in the podcast but it's like when you're new into the industry don't be so hard on yourself take it from somebody that's already being hard on themselves because it's just like like i, I feel like joe from digimon right now like, <laughs> I, like i gotta do everything like i gotta do everything and like my little gold bond conscience over here like yo shut the hell up breathe (laughs) but understand that like again like you're here you made it but now take your time understand it yeah and go forward because it was like again you're putting so much pressure on yourself and to anybody else it's like again there's going to be like a lot of like rough nights ahead of you especially with covid it's been a strain on all of us in production Mm -hmm. so give yourself some time relax but also decompress properly because when you're so hard on yourself or you're taking it in something that's unique or something that's new, something that you've never done before, 
don't discourage yourself. Only prop yourself up because it's like, hey, I made it here and now I'm about to learn something new. So you got to be able to look at it like, like at a different landscape. Yeah. And for like, because you keep saying like this show is like nothing you've ex- ever experienced before. So being like a revisionist, how has that been? Like you said, you're plusing acting, uh, doing all this stuff. Do they let you add a lot to the boards or are you like handing a lot of scenes or? So, yeah, that's actually a lot of things that they make us do on this show. It's I'm not going to say make, but they're training us mm-hmm. in doing because what I love about this show is most people that would like look from the outside and be like, yo, I think they're kind of taking advantage of you. And it's like, no, it's not it because when they brought me onto the show, they're actually training me because I want to like, I want to do this for like a full time thing. I don't want to be known as just a cleanup guy, mm-hmm. but I think for right now, I will just be known as the cleanup guy. So if I can constantly keep learning and get my own craft up to where I'm doing like more boards and like more like the idea of positioning for directing a scene and whatnot, mm-hmm. it's going to take me to where I want to go later down the road in life. So I appreciate what this production is giving me because like I don't think like any other show would do anything like this, like how Moon Girls do it. Something I kind of want to go back on is that kind of saying not being hard on yourself and like how you're only in your second year, like you're still like learning, you're still like, you know, getting your bearings is that that's something that for people, you know, transitioning or still in their first years, that's something that production understands. No one, at least not in the production I'm on, no one is expecting you to be an industry veteran in your first couple years of your job. No one's expecting you to be a God tier artist. A lot of them are expecting that you're still learning or that you have a grace period to kind of get your bearings, but like no one's expecting the world of you in a sense like people just want you to succeed but no one's setting you up for failure no no that i i agree full heartedly it's and, it's and again this is also something that was like a lot of young people that are doing the industry or they're inspiring to be it's like communication is the key for and foremost mm-hmm. production will understand but also at the same time it's like it never hurts to reach out and ask for help mm-hmm. because that's something that i have to get more used to because I'm so used to being on my own or doing mm-hmm. stuff on my own to where it's just like, hey, if you need help or like you want to just pick somebody's brain, go talk to them, man. Like they're they're right there. What's the worst they can say? No. Yeah. Go talk to them. Mm-hmm. And production is there to help you. And this is also something like in the climate of our world right now, having a great production will make or break any like any pipeline yeah oh 100 percent. yeah because like i full-heartedly believe like when you have like an all-star like people be like yo you got like an all-star artist on your team no we got an all-star cast of production on our team because those are the real mp like the mvps that's the bones man they're they're the greatest communication between us and the higher-ups because if not for them what the hell is going on so again talk to them because they're they're understanding like they're willing to understand with you now i can't speak for every production but again you can look at a show and be like hey like are you here for your people or are you just be like i'm only here for my own interior motive because again a good production team will make or break any fucking pipeline <laughs> so something else i also kind of want to get into is that Working from home has been a thing because like, you know, of COVID and whatnot, but you're currently actually working on the East Coast for you. What has it been like working on the East Coast for a West Coast studio like Disney uh, TVA? And do you have plans to move to L.A. County like when restrictions are more lifted? 
So here, here's like a little pregame before I go into this answer. Um, actually, into this <laughs> question. So this goes to the college students and the potential high schoolers that go out there. When you're able to make that leap from East Coast to West Coast, because again, a lot of production is on the West Coast. Sadly, you got to realize something. Make sure you take care of your dues first before anything else. Like, do not make a move or do not plan a move and you got outstanding bills because that can cripple like your whole thing going out west. And that's something I had to learn just recently because, like, I had a good savings, but with me having like my backlog of stuff, it's like I would rather pay that off just to know before I move out to California and just be like, oh, well, now all these bills are stacked up and now I got to pay back like my student loans like all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, crap, I'm like, I'm drowning. There's nothing wrong with working back on the East Coast to the West Coast. And again, going into the answer, I actually grew up in the West Coast. Like, mm. I, I grew up in oh. Vegas. So I'm Michigan born. Like, I was here until like I was seven. Grew up in my, like, lived in Miami until for two years. And for the rest of my life, I grew up in Las Vegas. Wow. When I had family back on the East Coast, I would have to understand, like, there's three hours ahead of me. Yeah. I'm three hours behind and so mm-hmm. on. So I make a schedule around that. So, like, when most of the team is starting to work, that's, like, 12 p.m. my time. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, they're 9 to 5 or like they're 9 to 6 is my 12 to 9. So that's that's normally, like, how I plan my day. So I'm on track with them. And they'd be like, wait, so... You don't work at like nine in the morning until like six in the afternoon your time. No, you can't do that because production is going to need you and it's always going to be on standby. Yeah. So I would prefer mm. to just start working when everybody else is working. So it's 12 o'clock my time and it goes until like 9 p.m. my time. And if you have a question, like nobody's going to be awake at six in the morning, their time, 9 a.m. here. In the East Coast. Oh, I, mm-hmm. oh I'd be yeah. mad as hell. Like, I, I yeah. get woken up by something like that. It's like, dude, yeah, I exactly. haven't even had my coffee or tea yet. <laughs> and you're asking me questions like, dude, like, go home. Like, yeah. I'm about to be like, that's like the end of the movie. Like, go home. Like, so do I plan on moving out to California? Yes. I'm just waiting for when the studios make up their mind. And again, with current climates. Yeah, and the timing is right. When the time is right. Could you tell us how your internship experience was on Ballmaster season two? So I interned for Tip Mouse New York when I did this. So I got to go out to New York oh, wow. for a summer. Yeah, so awesome. actually, yeah, so my school, I'm technically the first one back in my school's history to actually get an internship at Tip Mouse. Hmm. And when I told them, I was like, hey, I got this amazing internship at like a really predominant animation studio in America. Hmm. I was like, is there any way? Because again, I broke boy. Like that broke boy lifestyle is real. So I understood that, but it's like, I don't have the money to go out to New York. And I was like, that's going to cost me like maybe $10,000 all around. So my school was able to like be like, hey, the dean's going to give you 5000 at first. We're going to loan it to you. But now since we're looking at it, we're just going to give it to you as a grant. And financial wow. aid side with admissions because I used to work IT there. So I knew everybody. Mm. And it was just like, Yo, we love, like, we love Derek. Like, and he got an amazing internship. Like, dude, like, let him go. Like, let him be that bridge between our school and this studio. So they was able to scrounge up like $10,000 for me and they sent me out there. But on the way, they was like, so do you have like a computer or anything like that you could take to New York? I was like, I have a desktop tower. They was like, you cannot walk down Manhattan carrying a desktop tower. They was like, what happened to your laptop? 
I was like, what laptop? They were like, oh, sh- okay. So this is what we're going to do. Let's get you like a laptop or tab, like a laptop tablet and just go from there. And it's like, no, nah, uh, I, I got to get the mobile studio because mm-hmm. I'd rather take that two in one than having two separate things and one might break down. Mm-hmm. Like going back to my internship, went out to New York, worked on Ballmaster season two, but I also helped out on Midnight Gospel yeah. at the time. And anybody that worked in New York this time knew that this was a very hectic time. Ten Mouse, New York is already like a small floor. Or like mm-hmm. It's like in the 10th floors, like this building. So they have like one whole floor dedicated to them. That floor was so packed because you had like a lot of animators coming in working on Midnight Gospel where they kind of like overtook the original like intern workstations. Oh. And... Oh, wow. Like you just had like people like working out like in a like in the waiting room area like with their like laptops and stuff like that. Ballmaster was a very unique show. Like I never heard of this show, but I just by looking at, it, I was like, this show kind of reminds me of Super Jail in a bit. Yeah. And they was like, yeah, it's it's from the creator of Super Jail. I was like, wait, Christy K is in the studio. They was like, yeah, he's in his office right now. And I was like, oh. I was like, I freaking love this man. I was like, <laughs> Super Gel was like one of my favorite shows growing up. It, it was just like a dream come true of me just being in a spot that I really love because I really love Titmouse because they've done like some amazing series that I enjoyed over years. And that actually was kind of prompted up in our interviews that I had with um the production. Because it was just like, so... What made you reach out to Titmouse? Like, are there like any properties that you love of us? Like properties that we made? And I just gave them like a whole list. I was like, yo, I used to love watching Fruit Neek like every spring break back as a high school or college student. <laughs> um, Black Dynamite was my favorite. The Black Panther animated series that y'all did with BET and so on. And they was like, whoa, 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 whoa. They was like, you're speaking like a lot of old production. They was like, wow, you really know your stuff. And it's like, yeah, I love Titmouse. And <laughs> I love your guys' production. Your guys, like you guys are like the underdogs in a sense. Like, you mm-hmm. just make, like, all ages content. I was like, that's so unique. I, I got hired, got out there, started working on Ballmasters, and the rest was history. Now, I did help out on Midnight Gospel. Midnight Gospel was fun. I thought the show was very weird in the beginning, but <laughs> I, I didn't realize it at the time, but that show was very vital to me, like, a year later. It really was, like, a great thing for me to work on that I did not appreciate, but that following year, I appreciated the hell out of it. Yeah, because then after that, you were on Harriet the Spy after your internship, and so is that kind of what you're talking about, like, helping you, like, later that transition from going from, like, an intern to a full-time at Titmouse? So, at Titmouse, I think there's, like, most animation studios, they have, like, intern tests. Mm. But Titmouse, Titmouse actually give their interns a test. Be like, you can either take oh, wow. a layout, you can either take a layout test, you can take an animation test, or you can take a storyboarding test. So I never did storyboarding a day in my life, but every day I would talk to some of the storyboard artists at lunch. I would be on Sakugaboro, like watching like some of the animation breakdown scenes, and I would just watch animatics to see like how do you put together a storyboard. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try for the storyboard test. Nice. Um, it was for Ballmasters. And what they did, they gave us like seven lines and we had to board those seven lines. I didn't know I gave them more than necessary. They was like, dude, you just turned seven lines of text to 150 panels. Oh. And they were like, these are good panels. 
So I remember for the evaluation, this was like the second week before our internship wrap, we had our directors in there and I didn't have a portfolio at the time. So I was an intern that got in by having an Instagram account Mm. because I I didn't have a portfolio. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I I was going to ask, like, when you say you never storyboarded, I was like, how... What did you yes. show for the internship? Like, or for like, what was your background? So they, act, I actually submitted my art Instagram at the time, and I would just post up like the doodles that I had, and they were just like, "Hey," they was like, "Now we won't do this for everyone," but they was like, "Your style kind of resonated with us, and we had a show in production at the time, which was Ballmasters, that you can work on." So they was mm-hmm. like, you're just a good candidate. They was like, it was the right moment, like right time, right moment type situation. Yeah. So that's when they brought me on. When I was taking like a storyboard test for Ballmasters, one of the directors I'm still really cool with today, Mike, is over at um, Nickelodeon as a supervising director on Baby Shark. He was just looking at my boards and he was looking back at me because I was just like, I don't have a portfolio, but I have this test I did. Mm-hmm. So he's just going through it and he's looking at me and he's looking at my boards and he's looking back at me, and so is the background director. They're both looking at me. I'm like, am I in trouble or something? They was like, did you do this? <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, yeah. I was like, I, I, I did this. Uh, is there a problem? And he's just looking at me. He was like, like son of a bitch. He was like, if we would have known this, we could have hired you like a few months ago to help us out on the final episode. That's how good these boards are. And he was like, wow, okay. So he was like, so this is what we're going to do. So the head of production was in there, Kayla, love Kayla. And they kind of was going around. They talked to Christy, the show creator, and they passed on to the studio director, to Winnie. All I can remember is I was just in there, like in the office, thinking I'm about to get fired my two weeks out because no. they didn't say anything. <laughs> they, like they didn't say anything. Winnie just appeared at my desk. So Winnie is like Winnie at Titmouse is only known. Like you can only see her like in two directions. Like she's either running in one direction or she's running in the other direction. <laughs> People really don't hang out with Winnie. Like that's how busy she is. When she came to my cubicle. My sweet man at the time, she looks up and she sees Winnie, like almost like she got pale in the face. I was like, what, like, what are you looking at? And I turned back and I was like, Jesus, like, God, <laughs> I did not hear you. You're like a ghost. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, are you the, like, are you the intern, Derek? I was like, um, I'm afraid to say yes. So <laughs> I was like, yes. She was like, I heard great things about you. Come to my office so we can talk. Everybody started standing up from their cubicles because Winnie does not talk to interns, apparently. Oh, wow. An event. <laughs> yeah, everybody was like, yo, is Winnie talking to the intern? And I'm just, oh, God, I'm about to get fired, aren't I? So I go to the office and she's like, so Kayla reported back to me and told me about your in- like your intern test. And I was like, yeah, um... Is it bad? She was like, look, I'm going to be real with you. You do good stuff. You never did storyboarding before? No, I've, I've never studied it. This is like my first time ever doing it and everything. She was like, okay. So she was like, you make boards better than most people that go to school, like SVA. And we normally have wow. to fire them in their first six months because they can't keep up. So she was like, this is what I'm going to do. There's no more productions right now. But she was like, I want you to go back to school. I want you to make your portfolio a proper portfolio this time. Here's my card. Here's Kayla's card. You email us directly when you make your portfolio. I want you to go back and finish school. But she was like, I want to hire you. 
but there's just no production right now. And I was just telling her my plan. I was like, well, I really want to go out to the West Coast. And she was like, no, 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 no. She was like, you do you do two to three years here in New York. <laughs> then you go out to the West Coast because Winnie's been in the industry for like 35 years. Right, right. Like she, mm-hmm. she, she worked with like the greats and She's just telling me like all this knowledge. I was like, all right, like I I do that. Like I, I you do I what she work. tells you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just like I'm I like I would just work for Tip Mouse then. So I left her office and everything. Like I'm just smiling cheek to cheek, and everybody else is like, yo, like what did she like? What like what happened? I was like, um, I was just offered a job apparently, but I have to go back for like a semester. So when I came back to school. I worked on my portfolio and I submitted in and they gave me a test for Harry the Spot. Now, everybody that got this test got it on Wednesday, the Wednesday of this week. I didn't get my email because BT Dubs school email sucks at giving me notifications. Uh. I didn't get the email notification until Saturday. One of the line of producers, she reached out to me because she was like my intern. Um, she was like my intern director. And she was like, hey, did you ever get our email for the storyboard test? And I was like, what storyboard test? She was uh, like, yeah, we she was like, yeah, we sent it to you on Wednesday and we wanted to see if you want to take a test on Harriet. I was like, when is, I was like, when is the test due? She was like, it's due Monday. If you do not want to do it, we understand. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, it's a Saturday afternoon right now. I was like, how many do I have to do? So they were like, like, you have this like line of text. It has to be 50 panels. That's your max. And she was like, you go from there and you just submit it back to us. I was like, all right, bet. So I finished it up until like that Sunday night. Like it was like Sunday morning. I finished it. So I was like, I was like, I, I felt like uh, Stimpy from Ren and Stimpy. Like I finished it and I delivered it. I didn't hear back from them for a while. I, I was just checking in. I was like, hey, did you get my intern test? They was like, yeah, we're, we're evaluating right now. And later to find out, I got the job. Nice. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was kind of incredible, though, because Ballbusters is nothing like uh, Harriet the Spy. Oh, God, like no. the style oh, of those hell. shows they were like oh even though you did really well on the ball masters test they were like we'll just give Derek anything give him Harriet the spot like see that, that was the thing and I appreciated him for that because Harriet was my introduction into this industry it was like more of well at 10 miles at a time I worked on ball masters midnight gospel but I'm not credited which sucks me and the other interns aren't credited yeah. technically we didn't get credit on that one, but we did come back. Like I came back on Harry and I was like, wow, like for, like three series already under my belt. So I was like, you know what? I'm a try out for this test. And if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Mm-hmm. Looking back on my old test it's like, I am surprised I got the job. <laughs> Because these boards are ugly. I'm looking at my director and I'm like, why did you choose me? And she was like, she was like, there. She was like, you got great draftsmanship and you are a really good revisionist. She was like, and we want to train you up. Was your boards crappy? Yes. But we knew your potential when you took that test. So that's why we were working with you instead of against you. And I was like, you know what? I will accept that. I love that. Love a company that actually wants to grow talent. That's why I hold a special place in my heart for Tip Mountain. It's like, hey, anytime you guys need help on a production, I don't care. Hire me as a freelancer, whatever, or like a part-timer. And I appreciate it. Even though this is a business, I still love mm-hmm. you guys because 
you helped me in my time of darkness and I will always be eternally grateful. So I got your back no matter where I go. Now, will I still be working with Disney and I got their backs? Uh, yeah, like, yes, I I will always have the company's back, like the studio's back that I'm working for. But Tim also always have that special place to be like, yo, that was like my first place, my first experience. And it's like, I, I, I can't I, I can't turn my back on them. No, for sure. I can understand that. You were talking about your art education and the path you took to kind of get where you are. Okay, so there, there's a lot of steps to this one. So I went to community college first. So Ooh. every high schooler out there, whatever college student, do not be afraid to go to community college. Community college is your friend. Community college, low prices, but you also be able to get saved for more mm-hmm. and you actually have more credit. Now, it matters when you get transferred to. So take whatever I say with a grain of salt. But when you go to community college, try getting that associates in both graphic design or something or i would actually prefer business too like a lot of artists need to take business courses because when you're trying to run a business or trying to join a business don't let somebody screw you over know Mm -hmm. what you're getting yourself into before you start signing randomly on dotted lines from there i went to a university that was in 3d animation got kicked out of there because i got so depressed because i i used to be an honor roll student back in community college but when i went to this university I wasn't doing what I love. So mm. I got kicked out of the university, but I was trying out for several art schools at the time. And I got in at several ones like Ringling and SVA because I had a mixture of like a 3D, 2D portfolio. Right. So from there, I got accepted into the art school because the art school that my university owns, they, they bought this art school mm-hmm. and I got accepted into their program, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was a blessing and a curse. So this school was so like the program now in it was the digital program. This program was so backwaters that I was hardly showing up for school because it was like I, I could do everything at home. Like, why do I need to be in class? Mm-hmm. So when I went back there one day and we're working on this project in class, they was constantly teaching us from like YouTube videos. Oh. Like the teachers didn't the teachers really didn't know what they were talking about. Or they was talking about like some outdated stuff and it's like, no, that's not right. And they was like, how do you know? Well, I got friends in the industry that tell me otherwise. Hmm. And mm. it's called networking. I was just like, so the, the, the biggest thing, like the biggest elephant in the room is you're, you're having me spend like $3,000 to be in a classroom, but you're showing me YouTube videos. I was like, what, 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 like, what, 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 what's up with that? I'm not understanding this. Explain your thought process to me on this one. I'm spending thousands for something that is free. I do not understand your logic behind this. So I remember I was in classroom and I called out one of the professors. I was like, this is kind of suspect. From there, I was already made public enemy number one. Right. From there, I started like working through the grapevines and stuff like that. Um, Some of my classmates, a lot of brown nosers, but like a lot of times they don't want to like go out of line against professors because Mm -hmm. they don't want to have the targets on their back. Because what I came to find out is the husband and wife duo we call them the BS couple because th- their names correspond with <laughs> B and S. They they would target students. And I remember one day on my shift, this is like when I first started working at the school. I worked IT. And I'm in the elevator with the husband and he's berating this student. And I'm looking at my like my um like my mentor, like my uh, the person that's training me at the time, and I'm just whispering to her. I was like, uh, 
is this what y'all do at y'all school? Like, y'all let the teachers berate y'all students like this? Like, it was so bad that the, like, the girl, she left the school. Like, she didn't come back. Like, she she went somewhere else. Man, that's awful. Because yeah. he was just berating the crap out of her in that elevator. Like, that was the most uncomfortable ride of my life. It felt like the Evangelion scene when Asuka was raised in that elevator. Just awkward science. So, I was like, yo, like, the hell is this? And they started explaining to me, like, what was going on. And I found out that they bully students. It's terrible. Lord and behold... I would be at the helm of it. So when I got my internship, I found out that these two were trying to undermine me. That they were trying to say, like, well, I don't think he'd be a good representation for the school. He like he's the most basically the biggest knucklehead student. Um, he's gonna be a tarnished legacy to us, and so on. So, so much so, even when I got back from my successful internship at Titmouse, when I told Titmouse what was going on. Tim House was pissed. They was like, yo, we can bar the school from, like, we can bar them from, like, ever accepting applications from the school. That's how much we care about you. And I was like, no, nah, don't do that. I was like, even though they had mm-hmm. their gripes against me, I was like, there's something that they can never take away that I accomplished. And I'm the first African-American student to get this internship. So I made school history while being public enemy number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... From there, when I got back, students was asking me for advices and stuff like that because I had like a whole notebook of notes that I took from the summer of just tips and tricks and things like that. And these two professors did not like it so much so to where the wife was trying to get me fired from my job. They were writing emails to the dean professor, like to the dean's president of the school asking for my expulsion because they were like, He's just going to become a tarnished legacy to us. He'd be lucky if he ever works as like a custodial for like some of his classmates if they had make successful studios or something like that. Like I read these emails. What the hell? This is some real old, old fashioned like. It, it, it was bad. Like the, the chair of my program, I was really cool with him. He was the audio teacher. And like he's just showing me these emails. He was like, this is what I got. And he was like, I thought it was only fair. I show you. Mm-hmm. And mm. I was just like digging into my thighs because I was so frustrated and mad that I wanted to fight. Because if you're going to talk slander to me, bro, say it to my face. And again, I don't care. Like you're older than me and whatnot. We're still functioning adults. So this is the thing that people got to realize with me. I do fight just because I look jolly does not mean I do not know how to throw these hands. So please understand. I grew up in a rough environment. So please understand, this is my my way of letting out my stress, but also like, hey, don't disrespect me like that. If I'm talking to you as an adult and treating like an adult, do the same vice versa to me. It, it was bad so much so when I was reading that email, like I had to wait until I was outside and I just broke down crying. And like I was just frustrated because I, I was just like, I'm not going to stay away from my past because I had this successful internship. I'm going to just keep working, keep working, keep studying and just go forward well my great-grandmother she was in my camp like she like very strong church woman and stuff like that and i would always like me and her would just talk every day it was at that moment when she started crying for me that i was like you know what i'm done with school because to make that woman cry for me i i, I can't do this anymore <laughs> so i just stopped like i just started ignoring these two and one time i was in classroom i was just 
waiting for my mobile studio to set up because I had it to update. So I'm following along on my phone. So I'm accessing like the Google Drive for my Samsung phone. And the husband sees me. He saw I'm disrespecting him. He literally berates me in class. Like he starts screaming and hollering at me. And I'm looking around like, who like who are you talking to? And he was like, I'm talking to you. Like, so I got up and I got up into a circle. I was like, look, man, we got two options here. Apologize or we take this outside. The choice is yours. So Holy what do cow. you want to do? Because you're not you're not just gonna assault me in front of the class. And my classmates were just looking at me, they're like, please dude, don't like don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I was like, all right. I'm gonna do it for y'all because one, like one girl, she had PTSD from her dad being screaming and hollering, so she kind of get intimidated by like men, like with the testosterone. So I was like, out of respect for her, I will not do this. So me and my friend at the time, we went to the dean and we explained like what just happened, and he was like, no, I wouldn't have came over here if this did not happen. He was like, no, this. He literally berated Derek in front of the classroom and made shit uncomfortable so much so. There was already like past shit that he was doing already. Mm-hmm. And when I was telling the dean this and just like was the correspondence, the dean was able to find out that there was like 10, 15 years of allegations yep. on these two professors because they was targeting people of color. And they was like, they was like, man, like, we're so sorry because this is happening to you because like, again, with them being tenure, you can't really do anything to tenure. It took them 15 years. To figure that out, like, well, no, not just that. So the husband and wife duo, they are not liked by any of their peers, even the other teachers, because they bully other professors so much. So they bully the old dean, like they like it was either their way or no way, and they would bully the crap out of anybody that would say no otherwise. So I explained what happened to my great grandmother, and she just started crying again, and she was like, "I'm just so sorry that they're doing this to my baby." Then COVID happened. We started working from home. And at this time, I got my test outreach for Titmouse. And I was also referred to for Proud Families for Disney TVA. Hmm. I didn't get that job, mm-hmm. unfortunately, but I got it with Harriet. Prior to me getting my job at Titmouse, my great grandmother died from old age. Like mm-hmm. she went, she went fast. And I was just a wreck that night. So much so that my friend was like, hey, I know you don't want to hear this, but please email your professors and your teachers explaining like what's happened so you can get proper time to grieve. One of the professor's friends that I was in class with basically said, everybody dies. I'm going to need you to get back to work. It took every self-restraint that I had in my fiber, like in my body to just be like, you know what? This is it. Like, I'm, I'm done. Like, I, I broke it off of the school. I was like, I'm a dropout now. I was mm-hmm. like, I, I, I cannot keep going back to this school and you keep doing all this bull. Mm-hmm. So when Tim was offered me the job, I was like, hey, I'm a I'm I'm forever a dropout now. And the school has constantly been in contact with me. They try to have me come back so I could finish up, but it was like, no, nah, it it's already been done. The deed is done. I was like, if I was to come back, you would have to fire those two professors. Hell, three professors, honestly. I was at a loss for words because I'm here fighting this battle by myself. Mm-hmm. And the one person that used to be in my camp is no longer here with me to try to help, like, give me the guidance that I needed because she she was a real strong older woman. Like, she fought death, like, two times and lived. She had so much experience in life. 
to so mm-hmm. much so to where that was like my rock and I lost her. After that, I was just like, I, I, I can't I can't do this. I, I still talk to my school every here and there because to the university part, because since they own the art school, it's still part of like the main like the main umbrella. Mm-hmm. So I talked to my old university program because much left to them, even though that I got kicked out because of my depression. But like the art school, like that program, I, I, I can never talk for it because it's just like, no, that program right there is dead to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the illustration program, even though the, even though they was like a lot of bad there, I have to give credit because of like the illustration program, the graphic design program and stuff like that. They love it. And it was like, yo, you have so much wisdom from your internship that they was like, dude, they was like, you help us out with our IT stuff all the time. And they was like, and you're a great student. They was like, academically wise, we can talk about that. But they was like, your street smarts and your personal work has always been top notch. Mm-hmm. They was like, we would love for you to be in our program. So much so to where in illustration, even when I went off on my internship in New York, there was this one black professor. I call him Pops, but his name is John McDonald's. John is a fountain of knowledge and come to find out that he was best friends with one of my favorite black animators. Um, He worked with Floyd Norman back oh, in the yeah, day. Floyd Norman. So he worked with Leon Sullivan and all of them. And he was just like, yo, I know Leo, like I know Leo and I know Floyd. I can put you in connections with. And it, it, it was just a great bonding with us <laughs> because he was like, I'm the older black generation that had to go through what you're going through right now. And he was like, I can give you that wisdom. That's what he did. But before I went on my internship, he seen me and I hardly knew him at the time. And he was like, hey, man, he was like, he, was, he gave me this envelope and he was like, do not open it until you get to New York. And I was like, all right, bet. So much so when I got there, I looked on the back of it and he just wrote a note. He was like, I just want to say congratulations and hope you have fun in New York. He was like, this is a great and monumental success. And I opened it. And this professor that did not have me as a student or didn't even know me as a student gave me $600 of his own money and was like, have fun. I was like, wow. I, I, I'm entitled to that program and I will always have that program back for illustration now. So school was very, very toxic. And I was like, if I'm truly to move forward in this career, but also be the person that I want to be because one of the biggest things that motivates me now is you never know who will become a memory tomorrow. From this year and even past years, I have lost a lot of family members and like a lot of good friends from either old ages or just dying really young. It's like they never got to see me where I wanted to be. So that's been my biggest motivator is I wanted to be the me to what they can see before their time comes. So that's just been my biggest drive now. So, like, at our school, we also had a really, really, like, abusive teacher. And I don't know how they stayed there for so long because they were notorious among, like, generations of, like, people who had graduated from our program that were, like, 10 years ago. They were like, this guy sucks and was incredibly, like, emotionally abusive, like, just used their position of power to, like you know, lord it over students and feel like they were superior or something. It was just very incredibly bad. But what came of that is that eventually uh, some students from our school 
not quite as a severe position as you, but like in a similar position, they actually banded together and, you know, made all these complaints and really got it through. And that professor is no longer at our program. But, you know, like you said, the rest of the student body, like they let you down, like they let you there to die, basically, in your student career. And that's that's real. And, you know, if you guys are students and you see something happening, it's really hard to internalize that. Like you said, you're spending $3,000, like $1,000 per credit or however much you're spending. You don't want to believe that you're paying to be abused. You don't want to believe that you're paying for not an education or anything like that. So you don't say anything. And I understand that's really hard, but like, if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. Like, just know this. Separate, you are weak. Yes. But together, you are strong. While you let something like this happen, you're only telling them that you cannot stand for yourself. Mm-hmm. And even now, as like individuals, I don't care like how many years ago, but you carry that energy with you in life. And I was just like, a lot of y'all are still like, you are where you are because you don't, you don't go out there and you don't try, nor do you stand and fight for what you want to do. So uh, one of the things I kind of want to quickly touch on is that kind of like already like on this kind of difficult topic, but how does like your cultural background influence like your voice as an artist and like the stories that you want to tell, especially, you know, being a black voice? So... I don't want to tell black struggle stories. That that's first mm-hmm. and foremost because the black story, mm-hmm. white knight savior complex, has been so overused. Either either we're the tragedy, we're the joke, or we're just the strugglement and things like that. And it's like again, I understand because I I grew up in harsher environments. So I grew up in North Miami. Anybody that knows Florida area. So have anybody here watched like Bad Boys Two, for example? <laughs> like no, like no joke. No, I. I know of it, but I haven't seen it. I've seen the first Bad Boys. Not, okay, not the so second. the second one, they they go to like this Haitian, like this Jamaican neighborhood okay. where they have like the drug dealer and stuff like that. That's that's actually based on the area where I lived at. Like it was bad when I was growing up there. Like so much so to where I had friends in elementary school that was on the streets slinging drugs so they can actually provide for their fam- like for their younger siblings. I, I believe that I am untouched because I have seen some things in my lifetime that many people would be like have to take to therapy. Like I've seen oh like I've seen dead bodies from people either OD shot up from gang violence or just seeing like my friends in the streets dying. So it's like I, I'm tired of putting that media out there because that's something I grew up on. And then with me growing up in Vegas, Vegas wasn't all sunshine and happiness either. Like, mm-hmm. like me and my brother, we're like eight, nine years old. We're fighting adults. Like, because like people wearing the red, people wearing the blues. And it was either you can get down or get laid down. I'm not about to lay down for no one. So much so to mm-hmm. where when we was fighting, like we was fighting people like 15, 16, 20s and so on. And we was we would whoop in asses. It trained us, but also the voice that I want to tell is it, it's a voice of I don't want it to just constantly be the struggle, but I want it to just be shown that, hey, there are intellectual voices out there that can be told in such a unique manner. And I'm glad that there's such an uprising of new black meat, like new black content, new black yeah. content creators coming out into this industry because it's like I I grew up that way. 
Mm-hmm. But I don't want to constantly keep repeating it. I just want to show the fun sides. And right. even though there was like a lot of bad, there was also like a lot of moments of heart, but also like a lot of fun moments, like adventures and stuff like that. That's why I resonated with Kids Next Door so much because me and my friends, we would, we were fighting adults, but we were also like going on adventures every day. We were seeing Vegas, like just having fun, meeting up, and just being kids, even though that we had to grow up very fast. Mm-hmm. And it's just. I'm saying full tell to my mom. She she worked like two to three jobs at times just to provide for me and my brother to have like a good living. Even though we wasn't living the greatest lives, we would still have those moments to where we came together as a family, like as mother and sons. So that's the story I want to tell. I want to tell stories that are more uplifting than more bringing down, but something that's more unique and developed to the character's struggles, but something that's like more more than just meets the eyes, like something that has like more story to it. That's what I want to tell and deal with my cultural background. Not a lot of black people do art because we're told like, oh man, you can't, you can't be black and be an artist. Like that's not possible. Or do something that's like sports related or something like that. And it's like, no, I'm not trying to be another statistic. Mm -hmm. I want to be an artist. Like I love what Mm -hmm. I love and this is what I want to do. And so much so I'm happy that I followed my dreams. I'm happy that I pursue art and I'm doing what I love now. And you're killing it, dude. Dude, yeah, you're doing great, man. I I don't like the thing I'm killing it. I'm just like, I think you I, are. I, I, like, they're like, oh, this intern tested and the board was so good. We should have hired you months ago. <laughs> That's insane. I, I get like, I just get like a little chills because like, I, I like to humble myself because I don't like laying the ego to my head. It's just like, I, I'm just doing like what anybody else would do at that time. It's, I, I, I was given something, I did it and I ran with it now because most people like, I, I've talked to like friends that have been in the industry, but also like alums from like my old art school and we're really good friends. And they was just like, dude, they was like, you got to look at it like this. You have done something most people cannot do at your age. You went from an internship so successful that they hired you not a year after. You went from this studio and now you're working at Disney and this is your second year. Dude, yeah, Disney itself is already a big feat. Yeah, they was like, they was like, dude, they was like, you have to take in that. Like, you got to take pride in that. And I was like, don't get me wrong. Like, I take pride in it. But it's just, there's so much that I want to do and there's so much more out there that if this is going to be the stepping stone for me to where I learn and I'm constantly getting it engraved in my body, then that, that's what I'll do. But it's like, I'm just doing what anybody else would do, especially from my growing up. It's like, I'm stubborn. I'm hard-headed. But I'm also a fighter, too. And it's like, I if I want something, I'm going to want it. That's always been my philosophy. Well, yeah, man. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to see where else you go in the next coming years. Hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to promote? Uh, yeah, so people can follow me on my Instagram. It's Derek Blake Johnson. That's my full name. So D-E-R-R-I-C-K-M-A-L-I-K Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N. Or you can follow me on my Twitter. That is Derek, D-E-R-R-I-C-K, Malik. And then Joe, because I, I couldn't put Johnson in. <laughs> so other things that I want to promote, I, I'm, I'm going to have to promote like the upcoming show that will come out eventually like next year. So like if you guys want like some good coming of age stories, I encourage you to watch Harry's Despise, the animated series when that comes out and also Moon Girl. But also 
just like shout out to this podcast for bringing me on because they have like such a unique like diverse cast of people on oh. here <laughs> they have my friends on here they also have like some formal work like some work mates on here and also shout out to the black and animated podcast like you two guys like i, I love listening to your guys' podcast when i work because you guys bring something very unique to this like to the industry as a whole but also to the um people of color voices so it's like you guys are doing a great job at that and i think a lot of us here thank you for that thank you we love black and animated shout out to brianna yeah because <laughs> don't tell me i'm gonna be on that podcast soon enough so <laughs> yes, soon please yes please have to record your podcast but yeah as we come to a close is there any final advice you want to bestow on those that want to pursue a career in animation so my final word of like advice and wisdom to you continue to do what you love that's the best advice i could tell you but also don't don't shackle yourself down in trying to find a style already you're a student first as a student you should always be experimenting and finding something that works but also constantly expanding upon it go to gesture drawing i god i i have so many issues with like former students they'd be like i don't like figure drawing or gesture drawing it's like no you need to have that draftsmanship ability hey go to figure but, drawing what who's saying they yeah, don't like, want to uh, the, please don't get me started on that one oh. <laughs> so there's so my final word of wisdom to everybody just follow what you love and if this is what you aspire to do then aim for it but also work and strive and see yourself in the long term of things like on your journey you got to be able to look at your minor accomplishments compared to your bigger accomplishment because if you only look at your big accomplishments you're going to miss out on the entire journey Take it from me, take it from other people that have taken this path in life. Take every moment that you have and count that as a blessing. Because as I said before, anybody can be a memory tomorrow. So whatever you aspire to be today or in the future, aim for it. Inspire for it. And love what you do. And that's just my parting words. Beautiful words. Well, if you enjoyed our interview with Derek today, please rate us and follow us on Anchor Spotify or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at straightaheadap. And if you have any suggestions for guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Redier. Before we say our final goodbyes, we just want to say that the Straight Ahead Animation Podcast is taking a break from December 6th to January 10th. Episode 47 will be the last episode of season one, and we'll come back stronger and well-rested in the new year with season two. Thank you to our audience for your continued support and helping us create a platform to spotlight these rising VIPOC voices. Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, Bye. everyone. See you, everybody. <laughs>